What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft Driver, and Gig Economy News. Sponsored by UberLiftDrivers.com, RidesharRodeo.com, with Para.com. I'm your host, SJ. Let's get it on. Well, well, back for another week. How are you all this week? Um, so yeah, uh, we're going to run through a few news things today, um, and then I'm getting my guests down for the next few weeks, uh, trying to get out the rest of August and September booked. Um, I think by Monday I'll have that done. Uh, next Monday I have Marissa Edens on again, um, who we're just going to chat about some rideshare stuff and some news more in depth, keep it a little bit short this week since it's just me. Uh, the week after, uh, John Wilkerson, um, we're going to talk about uh, the rideshare comeback and if it's happening as the PUA ends and as school starts up and colleges start up across the country, are we seeing the right uptake and all that. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about a few stories going on. Before I do that, though, I do want to get everybody up to date um, with the official para word. Um, so I spoke with David yesterday and um as many of you have probably read or whatnot we have uh removed um the doordash features from the para app will they go back um maybe um you know it was showing the subtotal only and not the tip transparency anymore but we got a we received at para a cease and desist letter um or they did over at para and uh you know, coordinated that with me too, but, um, to pull everything by DoorDash to pull everything down. Um, so that, um, that never happened in the past, but it just happened end of last week and we had to do it by Monday, I believe was our deadline at some time. So we pulled it down. Um, we, we met with an attorney and we pulled it down and, uh, the next, we do have a next step in line. I don't want to really say anything. It'll be this week and it'll play out one way or another. So next week here on the podcast, I will absolutely catch you all up right now is kind of a weird time because we were not going to pull this down off the app. Um, even though the cease and desist had come through, but, uh, we're hoping on, um, well, we're hoping on a good outcome this week. So stay tuned with us. Um, avoid all the rumors. If you're not hearing it from David directly, it's uh, very likely not true or just somebody guessing. So anyway, um, anyway, uh, the other thing. So the, the pair app will stay up, though. I think there was a little misreading in some of the groups yesterday. And I talked to David about that, that, you know, maybe he made it sound like the pair app was down. Because we're still working on the Grubhub features and some other things that we're doing and trying to get the earnings trackings back down and things of that nature that will still make the app valuable. And of course, the amount of people that we've had come onto the app since its inception, um, you know, we're looking at just, you know, we're over 250,000 
users on the Para app now. Um, so we've just cracked a quarter million. How many are really active without the tip transparency going? I don't know. But so some people have like kind of ruled us out. And yet we're still working just as hard, maybe not on the DoorDash stuff at the moment. We're letting that kind of defuse a little bit, and then we're hoping to have a, a discussion with them. Um, but we're still working on a ton of other features that will go in there. So, you know, the next time we have a feature blow up like tip transparency, um, if you've used the Para app for the tip transparency, we have another thing blow up that, that helps you with another app or whatever, or just some tools, um, you'll be familiar with it. So, you know, some people are ruling us out, but at the same time, um, you know, barely anybody can acquire that many users that quickly. So I think we've got a good rooted following behind us. I think we've got a good group of people who believe in what we're doing and uh, that it's for the right reasons. Um, you know, real simply put, um, the only thing that we're asking of DoorDash at this point is that they simply do what we were doing for you. So instead of Para doing the tip transparency and, and giving you the information you need to make the decision as an independent contractor, which we all want to remain. Um, but instead of uh, Para giving you the information, we actually would prefer that DoorDash do it. We would, we've actually challenged them, and we would prefer that they just go ahead and start showing you the tip transparency. Um, or not the... All of the information that you as an independent contractor need, and especially those of you in California should be really at arms. I know that there was a strike last weekend, and we we stayed a little radio silent at Para this last week because um, we're not against, obviously against people striking at all, and if that's what people think that they should do, you know, more power to them. However, um, we all have some views on, on strikes and, and what the effectiveness we think is. And I think that we all at Para have agreed that the effectiveness of gig platforms striking just doesn't really make a lot of sense um, to us in, in terms of would there ever be any kind of resolve or anything seen from that? Because again, these are gig companies you're not an employee, so you really can't be striking. You could be walking out on the platform, but it's not a strike. Even if it's organized, it's not a strike because you're not an employee. Um, that said, though, we all remember that, um, you know, last summer, all the way leading up to November, um, DoorDash, Lyft, and Uber, and Instacart had to put in, you know, what was it, you know, two... 200 plus million dollars to fund prop 22 to overcome AB five in California. So in California specifically, which is also where they've been taking this model, um, the prop 22 was designed and, and, you know, most people agree with it. That's why it got such a pass through because people wanted to stay independent contractors and they saw too many other sides of that, um, in AB five. Uh, and so Prop 22 had to be funded by these companies. The thing is, is that these companies that funded it now need to live by their own rules, you know, in which case being an independent contractor, which they fought for under Prop 22, allows us all to be free to use any tools that we want and to have all the information available to us when making a decision, neither of which is true on most of these platforms. 
um, for sure neither of which is true on DoorDash. Uh, they do not show you all of the money. They know what you're going to make. They do not show it to you. They, uh, you know, you, you, you basically get nothing on a DoorDash um, up front. You're just seeing such a bare minimum. And now that they've cut that minimum delivery fee from four down to two, it's just, I mean, now, now it's even worse because now they're not being transparent about the tip, which you need. But now they've even taken the the bare minimum amount and said, here, this is, you know, this is at least what you'll get. Well, we've, we've talked to a ton of people and with the doubling of gas prices, that's just not a feasible thing. So they need to know that tip behind it. Regardless, um, if DoorDash lives up to its promise of prop 22, and if DoorDash would start showing the tip transparency, we will no longer need to do that at para. So, um, again, DoorDash, uh, just do it yourself. That's the solution. And that's the play. Otherwise, um, you know, we're still trying to help gig workers, and we're going to continue to do that. We will regardless and on other platforms. But, you know, DoorDash has a chance to fix things and make it right here. So let's see them do that. Um, so, yeah, that said, uh, let us move along. Well, I haven't been able to do one of these in a while. Um, <laughs> so it looks like we've got some robo-taxis emerge, stories emerging again. Um, you know how I got how you you all know how I feel about this stuff. Um, pure PR BS, and uh, this one is from the Miami Herald. Uh, it's from yesterday or Sunday, Sunday, and it's as robo taxis arrive, uh, Miami's Uber and Lyft drivers fear they'll be left at the curb. Okay, this is again not only a PR thing for Uber and Lyft to do these kind of interviews, but realize people that this is the way that that article reads. I'll read the title one more time. As robo-taxis arrive, Miami's Uber and Lyft drivers fear they'll be left at the curb. Okay, now that that implies to me that as robo-taxis are arriving like today or in the, in the very near future, the Uber and Lyft drivers are fearing that they'll be losing their jobs very soon. Okay, we, again, folks, we are 10 years out from true autonomous. I mean, Lyft working with you know, a company and Uber getting completely out of the game and then kind of just throwing some funding behind uh, one of the more prominent um, uh, autonomous companies really doesn't change what's going on. I mean, there's there's a lot of red tape to be weaned through. There's a lot of discussions to be had. And there's definitely um, a lot of issues that will need to be addressed by insurance companies and state regulations and city regulations and um, commissions and all kinds of things before we're going to see true autonomous. Um, I'm going to play this article and uh, come back on the other side because there is a few things that they do mention in here too, like some of the things that were you know where maybe they more one of the one of the mentions in here is that where they see autonomous truly going is more of like um, you know somebody controlling it either from within the car. Um, which isn't true autonomous or from a station where, where the passenger can intervene and this and that and the other, we all know this folks that, you know, if they're not doing bus routes and they're not doing freight, we're not autonomous. You know, I've had a lot of people tell me those are the first true clues or when you start seeing very simple um, city municipal transport that does like a circle around a bunch of blocks and that's it and picks people up things like that will be doing it um before we'll see cars just kind of driving freely around to pick people up so we're not there um we're not even close 
uh, some of these articles make it sound like this. And I saw two out there today, so sorry, Miami Herald. Got to pick on somebody. It's you today. Anyway, let's check it out. I'll come back on the other side. Uber and Lyft have long advertised that driving for them is a great way to earn extra cash. For Miami area residents like Humberto Pimentel, 58, driving for Lyft for the past four months has now turned into 50% of his regular income. The rest he gets from selling tires, and business there has slowed. So the announcement that autonomously driving lifts will soon be arriving in the city makes him apprehensive. Every robocar they put on the street is one job less, said Pimentel, who has a wife, two daughters and a mother-in-law living at home. Self-driving technology group Argo AI, along with Ford and Lyft, announced last month that they would begin testing 1,000 self-driving ride-hail vehicles, nicknamed Robotaxis, in Miami and Austin this winter. It continues the work Argo AI and Ford have performed testing self-driving Ford cruisers in Miami starting in 2018. Last fall, Ford announced it was increasing its Miami testing footprint. The results of those tests will carry extra urgency in Florida, which has some of the highest densities of ride-hail drivers in the country. Uber has previously said that, prior to the pandemic, it had approximately 100,000 drivers operating in Florida, equivalent to about one out of every 100 workers in the state say how many drivers it is here. While experts agree that it is unlikely 100% of the platform's fleets will ever become autonomous, the start of the test signals that Robotaxis will be here faster than many have assumed. Azad Hussain, a senior analyst at Venture Data Group Pitchbook who covers the autonomous vehicle industry, said that by 2030, and not before, self-driving Ubers and Lyfts would start to become more common. The big value add here is that you don't have to pay the labor cost of a human driver, Hussain said. You're reducing the cost of transportation, but on the flip side, what happens to drivers is a really important question. The pressure to automate has, if anything, become more intense, he said, now that companies are facing higher wages, a trend that has coincided with a shortage of drivers amid the pandemic. The industry has responded to fears of a robot takeover by saying that whatever jobs will be eliminated will likely be offset by new jobs the autonomous vehicles will create, including fleet management positions to service and maintain vehicles as well as an ongoing need for safety drivers and test drivers to map out new cities, teaching the vehicles new roadways. A Lyft representative pointed to CEO John Zimmer's previous comments about a future where demand, including for drivers, will actually increase as Robotaxis rollout. When autonomous cars can only solve a portion of trips, more Lyft drivers will be needed to provide service to the growing market of former car owners, Zimmer wrote in 2016. That does little to placate Walter Ruiz, 34. The Miami area ride-hail driver said he has been making good money since he began driving late last year, as much as $17 an hour. It's a rate he says is still more than many employers still desperate for workers are willing to offer. He said he has applied to become a firefighter, but for now drives for at least eight hours a day to support his wife, sister and parents. It would be hard for us if they're going to be taking our jobs, Ruiz said. Elliot Katz, co-founder and chief business officer of Phantom Auto, a remote operations company that works closely with large third parties focused on automation, said the days when a human will never be in the loop of a self-driving car's itinerary are far off. Katz previously worked as an attorney in law firm DLA Piper's autonomous vehicle practice. Instead, he said, a more imminent scenario will see self-driving cars operating with remote operators sitting in an office somewhere and ready to take over a car should it run into trouble, or should a human request intervention. It's already happening at some warehouses, where some forklifts are now operated from a remote location. In May, Phantom partnered with Mitsubishi's logistics unit to deploy remotely operated forklifts. So people who are in the current state of things driving ride hail, 
In a future state could be remote operators, Katz said. Katz acknowledged that Uber and Lyft driving jobs don't require prior experience or a college degree, but pointed out that these individuals can perform remote operator jobs. Remote operation training is provided, and the job being remote eliminates the need to leave one's office, or even house. But that would take away a key element that a Miami-area Riddy-Hale driver named Robin, who asked that his last name not be used for fear of retribution, said got him driving soon after arriving to the area from Venezuela. Robotaxis, he said, would likely result in lost work for drivers like him. I'm my own boss, he said. All right, so let's let's look at this a little bit. So, <laughs> first of all, do you guys see why I call these PR stunts? Because first of all, here is basically an article that's written being written on self-driving technology by the Miami Herald, which the headline gives them good PR. And then basically this whole interview is just going on with somebody um, over at Uber, CTO, something like that, but in the press department for that division of, I know their autonomous division is gone, but I'm sure they still have marketing people and press people and whatnot, and a few people left in the mix. But to be honest, the division's gone. So they're basically the Miami Herald, and when they do these type of things, they're having interviews with Uber and in this case, uh, a little more leaning lift, because as I look through this, um, well, I'll say in a second, but um, these articles are written from the standpoint of Uber and Lyft, and it benefits them, and it benefits the Miami Herald to write a, a, an article like this that is eye-grabbing and will get your attention. Thing is, is if you've been doing this as long as I have and some other people, you know that this comes around every so often. Now, the pandemic has thrown the, you know, how often this comes around, because it was almost down to, like, clockwork. You could be calling this every six months. But, um, you know, the dates have changed for years, whatnot, and it's it's just, it's very annoying. Now, this is specifically talking about the self-driving technology over at Argo AI, um, which, you know, a lot, so... With Lyft was very involved with Argo to be getting going. And then they kind of were backing off at the same time that Uber was selling off the autonomous division fully. And then they kind of stepped back in with Ford. So Ford and Lyft kind of are behind Argo AI now with their technologies. Now, again, guys, does this mean that robo-taxis are coming to the street and going to be taking Uber passengers? No. It does not. And Uber still faces a major problem, believe it or not, with drivers, even though right now there's a lot of articles out saying they're finding ways around it. One of the articles I found that said that was about this same thing, the robo-taxis. It was just too, it was too dumb to bring it to you because, again, you know, hey, we're going to just replace the drivers with autonomous. Well, okay, but you need drivers now. We're not talking about 2030. So, I mean, that, you know, unless you're planning on a 10-year, this pandemic going for 10 years, and that that's when life will bounce back to normal and that hopefully you'll be at autonomous by then. But in the here and now, no, no, not at all. Um, let's see what else do we got from this article. Um, yeah, the other thing that bothered me about this was that Uber's doing the same thing it did with Uber Freight, which is kind of telling how it told the truck drivers. It's telling the drivers now, hey, listen, there will be all kinds of operator positions for you, though. And they even said, you know, like driving for Uber or Lyft does not require a college degree. A lot of people have a college degree who do it, um, especially the 85% of us that make up the workers who want to stay independent contractors with flex hours. 
Um, cause we either have other gigs or other things going on in our life. And that's the most important part of this. Like we'll make the money. Of course, that's important, but being able to make the money when it works for us is very important. So they're talking about, you know, if you were listening to that though, you were hearing that, you know, that they basically in Florida alone have, um, a hundred thousand, um, rideshare drivers and that the that was basically equivalent to one out of one, every 100 workers in the state of florida is an uber or lyft driver okay so you're going to have that many positions in x amount of years when autonomous is going live to have all these drivers in a control center running the the ai no and i also don't see the fact that you will be taking on drivers uber at that point these are going to have to be very trained positions um there's there's already been people killed by autonomous vehicles so this isn't a game and we really can't screw around with this um, we've even learned that the type of people that they were paying to sit in the cars you know it might have seemed like a good rate but look at what happened to the lady who was in the car in arizona you know now did she look away from from the car for a second i don't know i wasn't in the car there's stories that lead both ways um there's stories of her saying that no she didn't there's stories of her saying or of people saying yes she did that she was on her that she was texting something um but she was only being paid like 25 bucks an hour and now she's on on the hook for everything herself uber's left her out high and dry um, so again, these type positions, you know, also probably require seeing a lawyer and making sure that you are protected. Because if you do get some kind of testing position with Uber or Lyft, I would absolutely make sure you have a lawyer look that over. Um, you know, we have recommendations too if you need them. Uh, we always recommend Legal Rideshare out of Chicago. They seem to work with a lot of the groups that we do. Um, and they're really nice guys over there. So shout out to Brian and the team. What up, boys? Um, but the other thing is that they try Uber tried that with freight too. And they kind of told all the truck drivers, Hey, listen, you know, we'll have you guys making bank sitting in these control centers, helping us out with the logistics and schematics of the trucking industry and, and getting all this really dialed. And I was thinking, no, you're not going to do that. A, you might take on some truck drivers for sure. But the, the goal is to push that working class out and eventually do have robot taxis and robot trucks and then hire new people who are young to run these control centers who will work for cheap. So it's not, it's not about these companies revising in any way to help us drivers or to help the truck drivers or whatever. They're not going to do that, folks. They're just not. So speaking of that, though, oh, before I move into the next thing here, um, I did want to tell you guys that... Uh, we um there's going to be a program starting on tncradio.live on friday nights uh from uh 6 to 8 pacific 7 to 9 mountain uh 8 to 10 central and 9 to 11 eastern on friday nights uh you'll be able to listen to a couple of the guys over at tnc radio in houston um who are both uh, rideshare drivers. One of them has been a radio voice for about 30 years. Um, the other one runs the station and is a rideshare driver as well. Uh, they deal with a lot of trucking stuff as well. But um, myself and Jason Thierry from the Gig Economy podcast will be sitting in on those sessions um, starting like mid-September, I believe. 
Uh, I'll have to get back to you on that, and we will keep you posted, but I'm looking forward to that. It's just going to be kind of a call-in and get down with some subjects and and just uh, talk shop with some guys. So we'll see how that thing goes as well. Uh, but, yeah, um, basically with these companies, when it comes to the, uh, you know, if they're wanting to give you $10 an hour more than you're making just working the platform itself, though, to do some kind of testing, really look at that stuff more carefully than just the click I, I agree box so you can update the app. Um, and, again, I've never even I've never had a position like that with Uber or Lyft, but I would go over it very detailed and then i would send it off to a couple lawyers probably and have them look at it um you know lawyers it doesn't have to be the legal rideshare; it could be other ones too there's a there's other lawyers out there but folks lawyers are if you aren't familiar are very very happy to look over things for free for you get back to you and give you an opinion um that's pretty common um but for example, like legal rideshare will do that, but most most of them I would think would. That's they can't give you a real assessment of what you might need um, until you've kind of talked through the the situation with them. So keep that in mind with everything rideshare. You know, if you need to talk to an attorney, talk to an attorney. It won't cost you anything. Um, you know, they might recommend you take a path that would cost you something, and hopefully they'd be honest and say it's a rough path or whatever. But the first meeting should be nothing. So just FYI to you all. I'm sure that most of you know that, but just in case. So real quick before I move into the last piece here tonight, um, um, I just saw this. So we're going we're gonna to bring it up on the radar for next week for sure because I want to dive into the uh, on-demand grocery space a little bit next week. Um, not delivery game and not rideshare. I mean, we'll dive into those a bit too with Marissa here, but I want to dive into the delivery space a little bit and where it's at because we haven't talked about that in a while. And uh, even where Instacart's at, how its how its drivers are doing. So I'm going to spend some of this next week uh, getting on that and getting with some people. But I did see that Bolt um, are you know one of our favorite companies. I just I like the story behind Bolt. I like I like that the kid is young. I like that. Uh, where is he from? Estonia. Um, but I like the story behind Bolt. But anyway, the, the headline right now is Bolt valued at $4.75 billion as the Uber rival aims to push on demand grocery delivery. So it looks like Bolt, at the same time that Uber is acquiring Corner Shop from South America, um, from Chile, I believe that uh, Bolt is making their move too right now at the same time as Uber with Corner Shop so that they try and get in on that game because I think that with on-demand grocery space, there's still some growth there. I don't know how many more companies um, on a large scale like DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats. We saw Postmates get swallowed um, by Uber Eats. But I don't know how many more of those will appear because the pandemic is winding down even though we are seeing upticks in some areas. Um, we also know that uh, most most grocery deliveries gotten covered by these companies. Um, there might be a little wiggle room in certain college towns or areas where, um, you know, uh, well, we'll see. But I, I think that maybe as uh, things start up uh, again, school, all that kind of stuff, you know, maybe we'll see a little pop in the in the uh, gr- in the on-demand delivery space, but I don't think that we're going to see. I don't think we're going to see it get back quite to the heights it was at last year and stuff. Even near the end and coming into this year, as people are getting more comfortable ordering, 
I don't know if it's just me, but I'm seeing more people out and about in Denver. I know we're hearing about upticks and things like that, but people aren't really, um, I don't know. I don't want to say not caring, but people are kind of over the, all of this and, uh, you know, they've done what they, they want to do for them. Um, and they feel safe. And I think that people are, you know, I don't think that I'm being political here. Um, cause I'm just going to say this, but I, I think everybody, both sides. And I think that if you're not, it must just be that you're not too familiar with all of the, all of the back and forth. But I think that we've all learned to, um, even if you're still defending them, folks, I think that we've all learned to, uh, at very least say agree on the fact that we take the CDC's recommendations with a grain of salt these days. Um, and that's putting it nicely. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, Republican, independent, what, what you are politically, it doesn't matter how you view the CDC um, in the past or whatnot. I think that we all see a very sketchy side of the CDC going on right now that is very politicized and, uh, it's tough to make sense of their rationale these days. I don't know. It, it is for me. I'll read an article, and then the next day it's a different article. And I know, you know, maybe it's not the next day, but it's it really isn't that far off either. It's like a couple days in between, and the narrative changes, and sometimes the entire approach at this changes. So I don't know. It's It, it just seems like, you know, people are saying, make sure you're looking at the good information, not the bad. I'm starting to wonder what that good information is. We all know what we should do for us. We're all doing that. I don't know what more there is to really say about it. I don't, people um, aren't really going to want to go back to lockdown when, you know, we're claiming that there's, you know, this huge uptick spike uh, with the Delta variant right now. And I know that we're seeing that in a lot of places. Um, The thing is, is that if you really look, the death rate is next to zero. Uh, I can't remember what the comparison was last weekend in Chicago from Friday till Monday of this week. So last Friday till Monday in Chicago and New York, there were more shooting victims than people who died of COVID last weekend. So, um, the whole country's down. I mean, like the death part is down so far. Uh, that I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering what we worry about because they say that people, you know, are still coming in and whatnot. But um, I don't know. I'm just not seeing it. I'm seeing the whole city out doing stuff, and they must not be watching the news or something because they're not seeing the same story. I'm telling you that. Um, but anyway, moving on from Bolt, and we will. I want to have a nice list for Marissa when she gets here. Marissa, by the way, um, is a former Uber Lyft driver. Um, and, uh, well, Marissa and I can tell you a story next week, uh, together, but, um, that'll interest you guys. But, uh, the week after we have John Wilkerson and then I'm putting together a few other guests, um, maybe one more in August, but all of September's filled up. August is sometimes a tough month. Um, but the last thing I wanted to talk about today is that, uh, there's a couple things going on. And if you're, if you're wanting to follow the AB5 path through the country and you're wanting to follow the um, Prop 22 path through the country, you can take it to a couple of states that are looking at it, like New Jersey, okay? You can take it to some other ones that might be looking at it, Washington State, the prototypes and stuff and the models. But right now, the big state to keep an eye on is Massachusetts, 
Okay, so in Massachusetts, um, we have the ninth, uh, the ninth Circuit Court came down with a decision yesterday that Uber drivers must arbitrate their misclassification claims on being employees. So that, I know that was a, that was a you know some of the AB five movement that had carried over to Massachusetts was really hoping on a turn on this Ninth Court Circuit decision yesterday, but it's moving to keep them independent contractors, and it's saying that it didn't violate the. Let me see if I can pull it up. The interstate commerce, or some, I don't know. Somehow Uber got out of this with what seemed to be a pretty, yeah, the Federal uh, Arbitration Act for worker workers. Uh, let's see, affirming a win for the San Francisco-based ride company Uber and its lawyers at Gibson, Dunn, and Crutcher. The Ninth Circuit said an exception to the Federal Arbitration Act, the FAA, for workers engaged in foreign or interstate commerce does not apply because Uber services are primarily local and intrastate in nature. So you're not going out of state and you're not crossing the lines. So that's they're saying that because of that, it, it needs to be dealt with as a local thing and not the attack on the federal level that it was being taken to. Um, but it was first, it first hit in September 2019, uh, and this case has been just kind of swirling around. They, they actually went back and, and cited the, uh, is it Sign? Sign versus Uber Technologies uh, 2019 decision. And that was cited here. So, I mean, the whole thing is, is that, uh, um, that was, that's a loss for one. Okay. That's a loss for the AB five movement. It's not a loss for independent contractors and for people who don't want the pro act, at least in its current state, independent contractors, such as myself and others, most, most drivers and gig workers, 85% of us want to be independent contractors. Even if like a lot of us aren't so hip to the term and how it looks in the in a big picture, when it comes down to it, it's that same gut feeling that everybody in California had where they had to vote for Prop 22, even though it was big corporate sponsored and just looked like an ugly mess. AB5 looked like a worse mess to people, so they was picking between the lesser of evils is how a lot of people viewed it. Um, and I think that that's going to follow... That's why Uber was so quick and Lyft and all those were so quick out of the gate to go to these other states with Prop 22 models before the AB5 teams even got there because they wanted to let these states know, hey, AB5 did a crappy job um, being passed in California. You got passed at carve-outs, AB2257. It's just been a mess. It's been sloppy. Here's our Prop 22 proposal and how we countered it. The thing is now, though, and this is what I see is that now we need to see these companies living up to their Prop 22 terms in California. So again, I'm an independent contractor. I want to be one. I do not, I would not want to live under an AB5 law that would affect everything I do, gig, gig economy and all of the work that I do since it's all independent contractor work, even the non-gig economy stuff or app-based on-demand gig economy stuff is still gig work. Um, so that would really affect me in a bad way. I don't want that. However, Prop 22 was written to counteract AB5 for the gig-based economy. 
And now they're not really living up to all the things that they say in Prop 22. We need to see that because, and I think these companies know this, is that they're going to be facing another round of problems because if we don't see that soon, then when they go to these other states who are now starting to say, maybe we don't want an AB5 type legislation, even though they were pushing for it, um, you know, like middle of last year and kind of here forward as AB5 was hell happening, they were pushing for it. But now they've had good reason to lean with the companies and say, let's kind of stay independent contractor Prop 22. However, I, I will say this right here. I want to be an independent contractor. To do that, Uber, Lyft, and anybody else who got into Pop, Prop 22, DoorDash, Instacart, they all need to be following the rules that they set in Prop 22. That needs to happen. If that's not happening, then I'm not. Then the whole deal kind of is out the window. I mean, then it puts us. It puts independent contractors back at a drawing board place, and that would really suck um, because we don't want to go back there. So Uber and Lyft need to really pay attention to what the promises were and make sure that they're keeping on them because it wasn't like they're just following the rules set by AB five. They had an entire proposition that got voted on and overturned AB5 to their classification. Now they must live up to what they say Prop 22 would look like this and would do this. I mean, you can't promise these things, put them in writing, and have it be a proposition to go against AB5 and then not follow them. So that said, um, that's kind of where we're at with that. Um, I know that uh, Massachusetts is really the big state right now pushing for it. Um, and then we've got a lot of people fighting it too. Um, so it's going to be interesting. And with the pro act situation still going on, um, obviously we'll be going on for quite some time, but you know, you got Biden's being put under some flames to make sure that he's supporting, you know, the pro act and all this. And I think that, you know, even he's being shown some other angles. It's just, it's a big sloppy mess right now that, you know, I think that the I think that AB five needed better language. I think the Pro Act needs to very very clearly define what it's saying because there's a little there's a couple pieces that no matter who I talk to, even if they're so sure about what they're saying, they're like, this is what it means. At the end, I'm getting some kind of disclaimer from that to the effect of, yeah, okay. Bottom line is this part and this part. The wording is a little left to for you to have, you know, I think this is how it would go. So we need to have that very defined. There cannot be a pro act type legislation under any circumstance until that language is so clean that we all are on the same page about it. And there's no room for debate about what it's saying. Um, you know, and one of those things would be that we need to get the right to work States, uh, out of that loop because they sh those 29 states shouldn't be forced into unions. Independent contractors who are the, in that 85% of us that want to be independent contractors and have other gigs, they don't want that to change. And if they're, you know, if they're in a right to work state and 50% plus one vote goes to pro act and unionization, then the whole state would have to be unionized. And we don't, those states don't want that. So that's one thing in the PRO Act that does need to be changed. You know, the PRO Act can be discussed. And I always say that even when we have like Willie and stuff on, who I don't always see eye to eye with, um, but even then, you know, it's the PRO Act can be changed. But, um, 
we really are, are, are just kind of spinning wheels right now because you're not going to get the, the people needed to pass it right now, um, especially with all the spending that's been going on. But, you know, right now this would need to be an airtight thing, and it's not. There's a lot of unknowns. We need to get them known. Uh, let's see. That's it for the week, guys. Um, I know that was a little bit short, but uh, next week, Marissa Edens, week after John um, Wilkerson. And uh, I've got some subjects, subject matters coming up. I also have a, um, we'll reveal it next week. I was going to reveal it this week, but we'll reveal it next week. I have a test that I'm going to be doing with some of the delivery platforms uh, here in Denver. So, and I will be uh, reporting it live for a few weeks here on the Rideshare Rodeo and on uberliftdrivers.com. You'll be able to read about what's going on and have input in that if you think uh, what you think um, of the content. That said, uh, this week is a week for the Gig Economy Podcast, so make sure to check those guys out tomorrow night, Wednesday night, and then they're every other Wednesday, so twice a month on Wednesdays. They go live. Um, you can find them on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, uh, Discord, and then on, on just like our podcast, you can find them on any pod players afterwards. But if you want to catch it live and, and be in the conversation, uh, I, I try to. I go on on YouTube. Um, I know that they're pushing some of the other ones right now, like Discord and stuff. Um, but anyway, that's it. Y'all have a great week. Uh, I'm looking forward to some of the weeks coming up here. And... Uh, See you back here next week on Rodeo. Peace!